Gyro Nation Metal. Welcome back, everyone. This is Jeff with Gyro Nation Metal. Allegiant has cemented themselves as a household name in the world of tech death. Releasing their first EP in 2008, Allegiant has now released six full-length albums, the most recent of which is Damnum, released last year in 2022. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Greg Burgess, the sole remaining original member of Allegiant, who also teaches guitar and has attained a bachelor's degree in classical guitar performance. Greg, thank you so much for this opportunity. You're very welcome, man. What a radio voice you put on. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, now I'm just like, oh, look at that, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, I, I often mess up my intro, so I have to go through it a couple times, and that one was pretty good. Uh, so. I don't envy, I don't envy that. I, 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 I like, man, <laughs> he's working really hard <laughs> right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, first things first, I want to welcome you to Canada as a permanent resident. Thanks, man. I'm happy. I'm really happy to be here. When did that take hold? Um, it's actually a. Pr- I mean, it's, it's the, the story of that is both it's, it it has a foothold in, in like, like some of the best things in my life and some of the worst things in my life, which also kind of like bleeds into our last album a little bit. So, um, obviously my, my wife is Canadian, but she wasn't my wife, uh, before this process started. It was, uh, um, and we, you know, we were just dating, and then of course, the COVID, and uh, basically, I came up for our anniversary, and the world shut down. So I was, I was uh, kind of trapped up here for four months because all the flights were, you know, canceled. So it was great. So we we got to hang out, um, but I was also caretaker back home uh, in Denver, and then because of not being able to be there, my, you know, the, like the bad part, my roommate he. Uh, he took his own life, so oh, sorry to hear that. Yeah, it, it, so that like you know when we talk about the new album and called home, that's what that song is about. Um, but like, there's we're talking about like the most horrible things a human being could probably go through, and then you know there was no reason for me to. He was he was you know like my best friend and everything, and he basically was the only reason that I was kind of there. You know what I mean? Because I wanted to be with you know my wife obviously but it was it was you know my friend buddy he was also you know i felt like he was my responsibility and then when that kind of went away um there was really no reason to kind of stay there you know what i mean and so when the restrictions lifted it was only family family members could go back so me and the girlfriend or my wife at the time had talked about you know getting married or whatever uh prior but then it was like if we just need to do it because then we won't we won't be able to see each other and then so that spiraled that whole thing and then it was like hey there's no reason for me to stay in the states anymore so apart from uh everything that was happening in the states over those dark years that just made me want to leave regardless so yeah yeah fair enough yeah starting this interview off with a dark cloud i'll tell you <laughs> we'll get that out of the way yeah <laughs> it's only upwards from here oh it's right <laughs> we have to ramp up now <laughs> all right well let's do that then so obviously music has been um and guitar in particular has latched itself into basically every facet of your life so when did you start to learn and what caused you to pick up a guitar in the first place um so um i mean i'm 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 way older than most people think (laughs) uh i was born in 79 so like my whole like childhood was like the 80s man you know what i mean like um and my formidable years was the 80s so like 
I was kind of really embedded into like the big four kind of, um, you know, and, and I was too young to be involved in like the thrash versus glam, you know, dispute. You know what I mean? Like I just loved it all and the hotshot guitar playing and, and some of the, you know, the eighties excess musically. Um, so that just kind of like really implanted a seed in, in my world. And so that, uh, I don't know. I, I saw like a made for TV movie when I was a kid and I don't remember what it had, but so I, re I think it was a chick and she had a giant purple mohawk. And I was like, that, that's, that's what I want. Like, I, you know, that kind of like, I, I don't even know what to call it, but then my parents bought me a plastic guitar and I used to sleep with this thing and play the whole, you know, couldn't play for, I play it. I didn't know, but I like, it was like my best friend <laughs> and it was there every time. So I don't know, man, I was just drawn to it. Um, super early and i also think that uh just the way that i heard music like when i got to band you know when you start you could do it in elementary school or whatever and like i played the trombone but i couldn't like the idea of melody and accompaniment when i was that young did not stick so it was like i'm playing all these accompaniment parts because it was the trombone and going i i'm hearing because i and i didn't hear this all i could hear was the melody at that stage of music you know my musical development so then i hated it for no reason other than it just that's not what i was hearing and i was like always playing stuff that i didn't hear how it affected anything else right it was just an awareness okay so then almost like background noise yeah kind of. it almost i'm just like what, what i don't understand the point of this and uh so then my parents were like okay you can you can play the guitar which is what i wanted to do anyway so and then i just never stopped but i i mean i had a very hard time with it like i flunked out of guitar oh, really? <laughs> yeah i i that's interesting I, considering where you are now yeah no i'll believe me when i went back because uh, i got tutoring from the guy who flunked me um and i was like in college and he was just like what I mean, it's like, yeah, every, all the guitar stuff, man, I had to work really hard at because it's not a natural talent for me at all. It's, it's a love. It's a love. It's a passion. So when it's easy to work at stuff that you love. So, but yeah. It's also easy to work on things you're good at. So if you're naturally gifted with something, you might be drawn towards that, but it doesn't mean you're getting better. Oh, yeah, I guess that's right on that natural talent you have. Yeah. Yeah. Look at you, Mr. Brightside. <laughs> it, it's all hard work, but I find like some of the, some of the challenges I faced are things that, um, that I was really terrible at to begin with. Yeah. And it, like you said, it's a lot of work. It's every small step and then you come out on the other side. Yeah. So you've been playing for quite a long time and that has ultimately led to uh, your bachelor's degree in classical guitar performance. Yeah. Um, and you had the you had the tutors, but did you have any other formal training or education with guitar? Oh, absolutely. I was not, I, I was not, I didn't have, uh, I could not learn by myself at all. I had to be shown everything. Um learn like i had to i mean everything i had to be handheld through every step of the way um which may sound kind of odd for people now uh looking back on it but like yeah i had to i got i remember my first guitar teacher's name was, name was mark and it was in a strip mall and i would go and like and he would just give me stuff and i remember he showed me a power cord and my mind exploded because i couldn't like this is this was me like my thought process when I would see a power chord written on like in tablature, I was like, I don't know how I how do I play? Like I couldn't figure out how to play it because the numbers were stacked on top of each other. I'm like, how the hell do you play that? 
Like I, I know when someone's like, oh, just hit them together. I'm like, oh, I like, and you know, it's shit like that. Which like my brain was like, what? That didn't make any sense. And then once that was everything with guitar, I had to be shown. And then once I was shown it, I could go off to the races. So. So more of like an experiential learner then rather than visual or written. Yeah, I think a little bit. I mean, I'm way more of a visual guy, but I, when it came to guitar, yeah, it was much more of an experience based journey for me. And then after learning these skills, are you now able to look at the music? And obviously you are. Yeah. You can look at it because you've already learned those skills. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I mean, for me, it was way easier to come up with something of my own after seeing how it was used. You know. Okay. And have you ever learned from any platforms like YouTube or anything similar? No. Um, but I actually, I shouldn't say that. I, YouTube is, it's, when, <laughs> this is, this sounds so fucking weird to say, but like YouTube, when I'm like wondering how to like learn shit, YouTube is almost like the last thing I think of. And then I'm just like, you're an idiot. Like, what year is it? It's 2023 <laughs> now, dude. Like, you, like, to say I don't know is like the dumbest thing you can say. Like you, everybody walks around with a freaking computer in their pocket. Uh, <laughs> but like, yeah, getting into that mind frame, I'm still like, you know, everything's a miracle, man. Like your your phone is a miracle. GPS is a miracle. <laughs> I'm just like, I just remember like my first jobs, like having this huge fuck off Atlas in the car and then yeah. like, you yeah, know, looking it up how to get there, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and uh i remember delivering appliances from uh like at a time when you needed maps yeah and there was that shift to gps and it was like mind-blowing i'm like i can just punch in an address yeah it was crazy yeah and it, and but is there parts of me that like forget that the technology now exists because you were just so used to like doing it the hard way <laughs> and uh yeah so so now so now yes i i do you know i'm constantly you know i love taking guitar lessons because um, it helps me be more creative and then gives me other perspectives that I can kind of like enfold into my own style and stuff like that. So I, I do, I try to search out knowledge because I think it makes me better. Um, even in, as a professional, it just, I, I love it. If I don't, I feel like I stagnate really quickly. So, um, so, but yeah, like the technology that exists <laughs> sometimes, man, I'm an idiot. And I'm just like, oh yeah, like, why don't you just Google? <laughs> You know what? There's something to be said about not going through the easy route, like not looking on Google, not watching YouTube, because you're actually learning through experience. And from my perspective, at least, if I'm looking on things like Google, I almost instantly forget the information. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I, that makes like, sense. At least if I'm seeking it out, then I can I can um, retain a lot more of it. That makes a lot at of least sense. The, the bigger portions of it. Yeah. yeah. Where did you attain your bachelor's degree from? The Cincinnati Conservatory of Music. Uh, okay. College Conservatory. It's a mouthful. Yeah. It was it's a, and so, it's a weird school, man, because it's like normally when you talk about like a conservatory, right, you're dealing with solely, okay, you're just going to focus on music classes. But because it was a college conservatory, not only did I have like a fuckload of music classes, but I all had all my core classes as well. So, yeah, it's like, cool, I got history and then I have music theory and, and it was kind of kind of odd. Like usually when it's conservatory, it's very specialized, like a like a trade school. Not like that in at Cincinnati. So it was um, it was a lot of work, and uh, I kind of like the fact that I actually got the piece of paper is uh, huge because most people got jobs before they graduated, and they just like cool, I got a job later, and they so they pieced out, and that's all they were there for. They get like an orchestra gig, so then they would just go, right? They got their job, they didn't need to get their piece of paper, 
guitar players not so much because we don't get those opportunities so it was you know but it was insanely hard to get it's a it's a it was a mandatory five-year degree you're not getting out of there under five years and it took me six to get it obviously they wanted you to kind of be more well-rounded uh they they obviously put emphasis on professionalism yeah. and what do you call it proficiency of course for someone looking to get into a similar course like how long well you already said it's five years um what kind of prerequisites did you need to have i mean there was the audition process you know obviously okay like like every other music school you have to audition to get in um but i would say that um i think the guitar process was a little bit easier than most i had i had gone to i started my undergrad in 98 and uh i went to a school called radford university and it was in southern virginia and i found myself a a very big fish in a very small pond and i was like i don't think this is doing me any good so i transferred and then none of my credits transferred so i almost wasted a whole year of education um um because you know it just i wasn't there was no there was no peers that were put that were like pushing you to get better do you know what i mean it was just kind of like all the other guys kind of in the program they kind of like got a little shitty with you because it's like all right show off i'm like dude i'm just playing you know what i mean and then it was like i was like this is not the environment that is going to be better for me i need to go someplace where i'm going to be challenged so yeah so transferring off my my buddy um who had just graduated he was going to get his master's at cincinnati i was like well if i go there at least i'll have a friend I'll know someone. So that so we went together and then yeah. So he went for his masters and then I went did my undergrad. What are some of the most important lessons or pieces of information that you learned while undertaking your degree? Um if, if practicing efficiently. You know, it was it was that you know, they had the mandatory thing like in the conservatory it was like you had the mandatory 3 hours of practice a day, right? Holy shit. And a it day. was wow. Yeah, and I was like, when I was super serious about it, it was like, all right, I get up at five, get to school by six, practice for two hours, six to eight, have go to class, and then fit in another hour somewhere in the day, right? And then it was repeat. It was get up at five, go practice, you know, whatever. And then as I got busier and busier, it was kind of like, you know, I, I, there's that the efficiency of practice is like, hey, go in and, and just solve the problem, right? And then I ended up getting like, and I'd start doing that between classes. I would just go like, oh, I'd dip into the practice room, find something in a piece that I was having problems with and just sit there, fix it for 15 minutes and then 15 minutes get to class. So it was like, you know, if I had a 30 minute break or something like that. And I, and I started noticing I get more done in that 15 minutes than sometimes I would get done in two hours. Because <laughs> in the two hours, it was playing, it wasn't practicing. So, so the, it was, it was, uh, I learned very quickly it was quality over quantity. So yeah, practice for three hours, but I don't think, you know, it's hard to keep focused for three hours. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like 15 How minutes. How engaged are you, right? Yeah. So I just started, like, that was a huge thing for me when it came to rolling over for electric. It was like, oh, I'll just sit down and, and knock something out. And then I never had a problem with it, you know, or it was easy, an easy fix. And it was always just like concentrated learning that skill, which because it, it sounds good, but to actually do it and not get caught up in like, oh, this is fun and go play, you know, because it's fun. So but like to sit there, have your regimented practice, solve your problem, and then you can play the rest of the day, you know, 
and then like the thing you solved now you can play use that put it in your thing and then you're playing and then it's fine then make a note what's the next thing i gotta solve cool 15 minutes the next day done and then i just noticed i was getting more done so that the whole practicing efficient efficiently thing would probably be the most valuable thing i learned you know mm -hmm. yeah I like the short chunks, like you said, go in and solve a problem because you always go in with fresh eyes and you always have that reinvigorated like energy kind of. Yeah. Instead of practicing for so long, you kind of kind of drone out. You don't really want to be there as, as much. Yeah. And it's it's overwhelming. Do you know what I mean? If it's like, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, go and solve one thing. Dude, that's e so easy to wrap your head around. Yeah. That's cool. One thing I can, you know, that's not that's easy to kind of like to say, oh, that's fine. I'll just do it. And you did. And you just did it. And then it was done. And then you moved on to the next thing. And yeah, so it was. At the end, dude, I practiced for 15 minutes a day. I didn't need three hours. I got more done in 15 minutes than guys were getting done in three hours. And it was like, well, I'm the winner. <laughs> I win. <laughs> I don't know anything about the school, but it seems like having like a mandatory practice time just wants to instill uh, like discipline and consistency in you guys. Yeah. And I, you know, I think, I think that, I think it's, um, those rules exist because they work. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And everybody works, you know, everybody's different. And I, I think that it is a very subject, subjective thing. And I just learned what worked better for me and what I tend to, you know, thrive doing and help me excel. So, I mean, didn't mean I only did that for 15 minutes. Sometimes you get lost in it. You do it for longer. Right. But that's all it ended up that I needed. But I think, you know, it's, and I think that you have to say, yeah, you have to spend three hours because most people will fuck off and they'll start going, oh man, I wonder what I'm going to eat after this or, you know, but yeah. Yeah. Did you have to log the hours or were like, was your presence enough to, for them to count them? No, no one held you accountable to that either. Okay. That was just what the expectations were. And if you didn't like no one, no one was there to say one thing or the other, but those are the things if you want to be, if you want to rise and be the best at your craft, obviously you have to put in your 10,000 hours. So, you know, well, exactly. It's it's your education, and should you choose to throw it away, that's fine. Exactly. It's it's no one's responsibility but your own, and it's what you decide to do. Yeah. I think that's something that a lot of people lose sight of in in a lot of facets of life. But anyways, that's a totally different conversation. On your social media, it also says that you're Suzuki Method certified. What is that? I have no idea. So so, so Suzuki Method is a way of teaching music um, that is basically targeted. So like, you know, like when you were born, you have this like this kind of like um, gap in your development where you absorb your brain is open and you absorb language fairly quick right so it's like we obviously don't speak when we're kids you know when we're born but then we pick up our language english in our case like really quickly and then after a certain age like after about like five that part of the brain kind of shuts off right so you absorb everything after that way slower right so basically the zuki method it it's supposed to uh it's using that, you know, I'm certified to teach three and up, right? So it's getting kids, super young kids, to learn, I mean, guitar in my case, when their brain is active. So it's not like when you're an adult, we'll go, okay, so here's how you read music. This is how we're gonna do it. Now let's go play Master of Puppets. You know what I mean? Like, but when you're a kid, it's like, okay, so here's the sounds and it's, and it's like, can you play this, right? And because their brain is in that stage of development, they'll instantly, they'll start playing by ear, right? Because that's how we 
learn sound. That's how we learn to speak, right? Emulating sounds that we hear. So it's using that, but physically. So, uh, yeah, that's that's what it is. That's really cool. I never thought about like three year olds learning guitar. Oh man, it's uh, it's it can be the most rewarding experience, or it can make you want to like literally jump out the window. <laughs> Totally. It's like cool. You're gonna sit on your guitar today. That sounds like a great, great idea. Awesome. You got the chord down. <laughs> yeah. No, it's fun. Yeah, and it's it's uh, I'll never forget it. Like when uh, I w- so it was at the I was at the Chicago Suzuki Institute where I got my certification, and like they were doing a round of Twinkle Twinkle Little Star with all these right. So it was like all us um, like certification people that were getting it, and the parents in the stands, <laughs> and they were doing kind of like a round of Twinkle Twinkle. And it was going amazing. Like they were all doing it. And then this boy stops and he's like, what are you stopping? He's like, my penis is getting bigger. (laughs) (laughs) I guess he was freaking out because his dick was getting bigger. (laughs) His popping one. It was really into Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. But the instructor's like, it happens to everybody. Keep going. (laughs) And the stands were just tears. We were all just, we lost it. The parents lost, you know. Because, I mean, but this poor kid was like, this was life-altering. And probably we all scarred him because it was a whole <laughs> a whole auditorium laughing at him because his penis got bigger. <laughs> now that I'm saying it out loud, that poor kid, he's probably, <laughs> you know, in his 20s right now with a huge complex. <laughs> <laughs> and what's even worse is he thinks it's because he got a hard-on, but it's because he said it. Oh. It's not because of what happened. Exactly. He addressed the situation. Yeah, no, he's going he's gonna to think that everybody laughs at you when you get hard on. That's that's how he's internalizing it. So <laughs> unless he's like super healthy and he's just going to be like, this is comedy. <laughs> hey, honey, this is comedy. Let's go. What drove you to uh, become involved in teaching guitar? Um, so it was just, you know, it's the musician's curse. It's like, how are you going to make a living? You know, Oh. Uh, you know, when when you're developing, it's like, or when you're like learning and like, what do you want to do in life? But it was my first my first classical guitar lesson ever. My teacher was like, so, what do you what do you want to do in life? And I was like, oh, I want to be a rock star. He's like, uh, well, this path, um, if if you can imagine doing anything else, you should do that, because this is not a life that is easy <laughs> you know what i mean and uh and like that stuck with me the whole time and i was like literally i can't imagine doing anything else and he's like all right that's up to you and i actually i, I i've talked to I, I keep in touch with that teacher and i told him i was like that question shook me and i tell it to all my students like that want to pursue music for a career it's like if you could be happy doing anything else you should go do something else because there's no you know finding finding that gig of like that's going to be steady and give you income and give you security that is very hard to do you know it's not it's not easy you cannot it's not this this is a passion that you have to kind of really suffer for <laughs> to i mean there's always exceptions to the rule you know but um yeah most most musicians man it's um it's a struggle and so uh, teaching became like the the uh you know the primary motive of, of feeding myself and uh fortunately i love it and uh you know i love i love seeing you know people get better and it's like yeah i helped you do that you know and it's like it's fulfilling so yeah and there's no like preordained formula that would make you successful in in the world of music no. so you might as well start on something else and if that happens through your hard work and determination then that's awesome yeah but 
again, like you said, you can't bank on it. No, you, you absolutely can't. And like having having the so for me, my classical guitar, my that was always my backup plan. Playing electric was my kind of like, you know, that's that was my main plan. It, and it kind of worked out, you know, kind of. Um, but uh, you know, my backup plan was a passion too, and I love that, so I play a lot of that. So, but and but it helped to. You have to kind of really diversify. You know what I mean? Like you have to have all your fingers in a lot of pies to try to make make it work. You know? So totally. Is it difficult for you to go back and forth between being a student and a teacher? Uh, no, not at all. It's actually it's more beneficial to me actually because if like for me, you know, lessons can be expensive. You know, it's and it's an expense, but it's a life enriching expense. So for me when I'm going to take a lesson and it's like, oh, cool. It's like 70 bucks for my hour. I'm looking for that one thing that is that aha moment. If I paid 70 bucks and I get that one aha moment, then I feel like I got my money's worth, right? So that one aha moment can fuel my teaching like for like a month. Do you know what I mean? So it's well worth it to me. It makes me a better teacher to take lessons because then I get more ideas and I'm like, oh yeah, and you can apply it to this and you can apply it to that. And like, what do you want to do? And then tailor it to my student, you know, and help them achieve what they want to achieve and stuff like that. So it, yeah, it's, it's painless and it's actually preferable. How do you choose who to learn from? Um, it depends what I'm going for too. Um, okay. I mean, what, what am I, am I doing, uh, you know, like, I love flamenco. Am I am I gonna go look from flamenco teacher? Then I just ask people, like my like my friends or my you know colleagues that play flamenco. Like, hey, do you know anybody that teaches? Like, who do you suggest? And and it's usually word of mouth that I can find someone. When I was doing jazz, it was one of my students came to me and he had a jazz teacher and he's like, oh, he's awesome, right? And he came to me for metal, but it was also taking jazz lessons. So I went. And I was like, oh, well, that's cool. That guy sounds awesome. So I hit him up, you know, and I took jazz lessons to get like a different, you know, just more skills in my bank. Right. And then, you know, if some of my students want to go, like I, you know, obviously I do rudimentary jazz, but if you want to do a jazz deep dive, I'm not, you know, a solely jazz guitar player. Then I'm like, hey, I got a guy. And I'm like, hey, while I'm gone, like I'm on tour, when you go take lessons <laughs> lesson with my buddy and then just, you know, funnel. You know, and it, that's that's one of the coolest things about uh, teachers, too, is if the more students that you funnel to other teachers, it is reciprocated at some point. You know what I mean? I've 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 referred a lot of students, but I've also gotten a lot of students from other teachers. And it's it's one big community of teachers, but all for, you know, all for one. You know? Yeah. And the benefit of everybody. Yeah. That's great. Have you ever purposefully stopped giving somebody lessons? Or And if you haven't, what would stop you, or sorry, what would cause you to stop giving lessons to somebody? I have. I have. Um, generally, it's people that give me attitude. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, I have a waiting list and, you know, for, for people that want spots. And if you're going to be a dick, I have no time for you. There's nothing in it. It's not like I'm going to lose money. I have someone that wants to be, you know, to be in the spot, <laughs> you know, um, even if I don't. It's like one lesson's not gonna break my bank, you know. Get out of here! I don't want to deal with your shit. You know, there's been there's been some uh, addicts that you know, and I know that's a disease, but like that they have to deal with that. I don't have to deal with that. So like I, you know, I'm very 
you know, I have a very large tolerance, <laughs> you know, like if you want to be shitty with me, I can be shitty back, <laughs> you know, like, well, figure it out, dude. <laughs> um, but after a while, it's not my problem. So yeah, yeah, I have for sure gone. Yeah. Well, you can't take on every responsibility, no, right? It's not. I mean, like I, I do, I do think that being an educator, like part of your job is you're enriching people's lives. And sometimes like, there's been plenty of times where it's like, Hey, how are you doing? Right. And it's, it's like a mental check. You know what I mean? And sometimes they just need a friend. And I'm fucking like, that's, that's part of the perks of my job, you know, to like help people, you know, not that I am qualified, <laughs> you know, there's a, a line that doesn't get crossed, but you know, it's just, you know, silly, like, you know, I'm going to say silly, but like teenager stuff that's, you know, and it's like, man, shit gets better. You know what I mean? Like, that's no problem. I'm sorry. I don't even remember what the original question was. I've just been yakking. <laughs> no, that's perfect. Uh, just about what would cause you to stop giving lessons, and I think that's perfect. Do you ever have to? I'm I'm assuming that you do, but do you often have to deal with the sense of entitlement? Um, no. Really. Like almost like you owe your students. Or sorry, I guess when I've been in a mentorship role, um, there have been some times when it feels like my mentee um feels like I owe them something, or that they deserve to be there. Maybe I'm saying it the wrong way, but I think that. That sense of realism and and uh, checking that attitude is a, is a good way to start. Yeah, fortunately, I haven't had to deal with that. I mean, there was one time, uh, actually, there was one student that that actually rings true, but they learned real quickly. Do you know what I mean? When uh, when you give them assignments that they're not hot shit, and and you know, it brings them down to reality real quickly, and then then it becomes a teamwork thing. Uh, but I. You know that that problem sorted itself out very quickly and uh yeah no not really <laughs> yeah fair enough and up to this point all of your experience has now led you to be endorsed by bc rich guitars ortega guitars and nylocaster are or were any of the companies concerned with your affiliation with competing guitar companies no um uh no i mean just when the one thing that you know everybody has like they're, they're kind of mentors or whatever, you know, in this business. And uh, we did a tour uh, with a band called Act of Defiance. And that was like two guys that uh, left Megadeth, right? And Chris Broderick and Sean Drover. And their first tour they ever did as like their own band, a Legion and, and them. And uh, it was very much a, uh, a friendship forged uh, because I think both of us, there was a lot that we learned from each other. Do you know what I mean? And and one of the most important things that I learned from Chris is like that guitar companies don't particularly have loyalty to you. Do you know what I mean? They are big businesses. They're there to sell guitars. They You are a tool uh, to move their guitars. And if you're cool with that, right? And if you're aware of that role, then it's a mutual beneficial arrangement. Right. They'll supply you with guitars. You promote their product. They sell more guitars. And then, you know, and, and it works out like that. And then, you know, he I, there was I was kind of like a, a time where I felt that I was holding up my end of the bargain more than the company. And, you know, Chris is like, then leave, you know, and I was like, OK, and that's happened a, a lot. <laughs> you know, and I think that's just um, the nature of, of the business. And, you know, you you yourself are a business in 
in music. So they have to do what's good for their business and you have to do what's good for your business. And sometimes they are moving in the same direction, sometimes they're not. And, um, and sometimes you just need the right tools for the job and sometimes the tools just don't live up to the deal you know, over what are your needs and you have to look elsewhere. Um, but every time I've left the company, it's been either my deal, but my deal expired or, uh, or I had talked to them personally that, Hey, thank you for everything. I'm, I'm going to go do this other thing. Cause you know, my needs are this and you know, I understand that's not what your company can do. So I'm going to go, I, you know, so all, all friendly. Yeah, so in a way, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no doubt. So in, in those aspects, it's almost like uh, similar to a record label then. Yeah, a little bit, you know, a record, la a, a record label there. I think, I, I mean, this is obviously different depending on what re record label you're on, but essentially they're an investment bank, you know, they invest in you, they give you money, you make your record and then they recoup their expenses and then hopefully make more on their investment. Right. People seem to think that like, oh yeah, but they're going to help you out. They're going to help you get tours. I'm like, no, that's not, it's not, not their job. You know, I think at, at one time that was super common because then if they got you out on said tour, then they would sell more product. But now we're in an age where physical product is, is waning. So one, I think there's less money, you know, for them to do things like that. Uh, but also, uh, you know, there's less money for them to do that. And there's not really, I mean, the incentive to do that is kind of like, eh, we, you know, we have, we have other things. We, we have to invest in other bands to keep moving. Right. So it's, it's the, the music business is very, um, choppy waters, shall we say. And it makes sense if you look at it from like a macro perspective, right? It, just from a dollar's point of view, which is very hard for musicians to kind of wrap our heads around. Right. Because I think if you're wired as like this artistic, like I want to do music and stuff like this, the overlaying of like, hey, you have to be a businessman, that burns us. You know, you get burned a lot. You learn it. You learn a lot of, lot of um, lessons by uh, getting burned. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so hopefully after 15 years, 15, 16 years of doing it, you learn a thing or two. You know, so. What was the first lesson that you ever learned about being burnt? Um, that's a hard, hard one. You know, I, I, I am your stereotypical like musician first, still trying to figure out how to be a businessman. Like, admittedly, um, I, I think that you can't trust everyone. You know, I the mo like that old story where the mob wouldn't even get into the music business because of how corrupt it is, right? There's a lot of people out for themselves, right? And that's, that is a, that's not something that, it's, it's, for me, it's very hard to be kind of, I don't, I don't, I'm trying to find the words here, but like, sometimes I think you have to be a little selfish because that's the environment that exists, right? And that's very hard for some personality types where it's like, hey man, if you're just nice to me, you know, I'll believe everything that comes to you. And then you're like, oh, they're, they're fucking you over. 
and they're lining their own pockets while you're like barely making rent you know what i mean like there's a lot of like a lot of that and uh and those those are those are hard things so i think having a healthy level of skepticism <laughs> you know while trying not to be a dickhead that that's the hardest thing i think like you don't want to be you never wanted to be jaded but you also have to protect yourself while trying to be a good person <laughs> and it's very hard that's i think that's the hardest balance to kind of like strike and it seems like that's that's in a lot of different facets of life too it's like you have to be trusting but you also have to be aware of what ulterior motives could be yeah and sometimes like especially in music sometimes like a lot of us <laughs> uh -huh. you know so like oh man i just want to make this beautiful you know like oh this this thing oh it's written on this thing you know what i mean it's like that's your primary focus because that's that's what we all wanted to do in the first place right you know there's very few of us that were like oh dude i'm gonna do this because of girls and, and and money right i mean some of us do but that was never my motivation. I just wanted to make music. So like the realization, uh, having to split that into, it can it can get very uh, burnt. It can burn you out, you know, cause it's your, and it splits your attention, right? Where it's like, hey man, I just want to make art, you know? <laughs> so it's, it's that, you know, I'm gonna start repeating myself. Next. Well, <laughs> Well, and like you said, it's it's uh, dangerous to become jaded, too, because you you encounter so much negative bullshit, essentially, that you think everybody's like that. Yeah, and it, but let's see, if you become jaded, then your art suffers, too, right? You start to lose interest in the art, and, and, and I think that you also, you sur sometimes you surround yourself with people that, like, that, I mean, they can be so negative, and then they just, the shit on so much stuff that you just stop caring because, or they make you doubt yourself, or, you know because of, you know, their attitude, you know? Nah. Mm -hmm. What keeps you positive? Um, lately, it's just been thinking about big picture stuff. Like, man, I love my life, right? I love, I love my home, I love my wife, I love my pets, you know? I'm really lucky I get to go on tours and play music, my music that I've written that people enjoy, and um, not trying to really stop being competitive that that's like a killer thing and you're gonna see it in every aspect and i think it exists especially in metal and it starts when you're a local band and you're in competition with other local bands and and it it you know it's like oh they don't deserve this but like the realization after years that it's like it's not what you deserve half the half the time it's just circumstance you know and and like the more that you can just come to peace with it like dude you have to worry about your entity and you like don't compare yourself to other bands because you can't like the circumstances are completely different right and it, it never stops i've heard some of the biggest bands in the world go why aren't we as big as another biggest band in the world and you'd be like but you're x band <laughs> right and like that never stops it's like when you're a local band it's like oh they got signed how come we didn't get signed you know that's how, what it wasn't and then you there's jealousy there and it's just like man just, just worry about yourselves and and you know be be just happy you know be try to be content in your own life and just be stoked on what you're doing if you're happy with what you're doing that it's got to be what matters you know because some of you know i've heard stories about some other bands and how they run their bands i'm like man it's not it's not focused on the art it's focused on other things that i don't really have an interest in so 
man, I really am jealous of their success, but at the same time, I'm like, man, I don't want to, I wouldn't want to operate like that. It's not what I'm in it for. So that kind of realization is freeing as well, because it's like, yeah, you know what? You're doing all right. You know, you really are. You're doing good. You have, have, have a little perspective. You, things are good. You know, be happy with it. Just make, just make what you want to make. And hopefully people will like it. <laughs> you know? I'm happy that you touched on that because one of the things that I learned, I'd say quite recently in the past few years is to stop being in competition with others and focus on yourself. Be in competition with yourself. Do a little bit better every day. Yeah. And then you'll be content with your life. Be grateful for what you have and where you are. Yeah. Look back and look how far you've come. Yeah. And I, I think it's, it's super hard too because I backslide all the time into that mode, which is really unhealthy. And it's kind of the same thing as uh, it's so easy. what everybody does, like the doom scrolling shit. That's so popular, you know, you like, you know, everybody puts up the fucking, what their life, what they want it to be like, you know, a little snapshot, like, oh, things are amazing and they don't feel that way. But it's, and, and it's, it's a cycle of negativity and, and it like, and it's so easy to fall into it. So the constant reminder of like, man, man, just do you, <laughs> you know, gotta be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like you said already, I mean, circumstances have so much to do with it. So you can't just dwell on where everybody else. Yeah. And you, and like what works for certain people doesn't work for other people. I've gotten that too. Mm -hmm. Like uh, some other bands are like giving me examples. I'm like, yeah, you should do this and this and this. I'm like, well, I've done that. It just doesn't, it doesn't work for us. I see why it works for you. It makes sense for you, but it doesn't work for us. And then that, you know, I, I've heard that a lot. People are like, oh, you should do this better. You should do this better. And I'm like, yeah, we've, we've done that. It doesn't doesn't work for us so it i think it is it's it's a very subjective case-by-case -case basis based on like a lot of factors and and like it can drive you mad you know what i mean and i think there's part of that where it's like yeah you gotta like collect your data and you have to do look at it and try to be that's part of like my growth right now is of trying to be a better businessman is like collecting data and then analyzing it and going how can we do stuff better which has only taken me 15 years <laughs> <laughs> to figure that out um, but at the same time within reason because I didn't get into this to look at numbers and stuff like that right so it's like be be happy with what you're doing and then of course be you know try to expand and be a better person and do other stuff that maybe it's not your favorite thing but you know see if you can do maybe if you do it then the thing you came here to do you can be more successful at so I don't know this topic is a perfect segue to my next question. So you've always seemed to be quite good at picking out aspects of your music that you wanted to either change or evolve. And as impressive as Damnum is, it's a killer record. What are some of the aspects that you're hoping to accomplish? Uh, some of those aspects that you're hoping to accomplish moving forward? Damnum is a hard record to judge. Um, just because, because of how much COVID impacted it. Do you know what I mean? Like it's a very different record for Religion. And it was a, it was a great snapshot of... Of, of where the band was with a lot of death going on, you know, a lot of, you know, where every person was in their life regarding, you know, what they were doing on their own particular instrument and how the conglomeration of those things like melded, right? And, you know, people ask me all this all the time, what do you think of it? And I'm always, the last couple albums, I'm like, I don't think you can fully judge until a few years have passed because I'll tell you what, I enjoy Damned more today than I did when we released it. So I think with more more passage of time, the more you can have an honest reflection of it. Uh, do you know what I mean? 
because there's like a lot of association that they were negative, it's going to color how you how you just see your product. Where it's like if there's space, then you can look back on it and be like, oh, actually, it was really great. I, I feel the same way about apoptosis because I love apoptosis in hindsight, right? I still think there was certain things we can do better, but and then damn was not was almost to a more extent. But at the same time, I, I like really enjoy the album now uh, in in hindsight. So it's 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 a really hard question to ask. There are certain elements that I'm super proud of, and then super elements that I want to do better at. Um, and it's really just I, I feel, you know, it's it's not a one guy show. A Legion has it, and I think there's there's kind of a I've seen a lot of people like that. There, there's this big impression that I've seen from people that it's like my show and it couldn't be farther from the truth I'm one piece of you know of a machine of five musicians and those five musicians all have their own ideas and they all bring ideas to the table and it's kind of like you know the, the cogs in a machine <laughs> that make things go and then you know the culmination of those ideas result in something and sometimes you know you don't agree with all those ideas and and that's that's fine but it's it is that, and that's maybe why it's hard to judge a piece of art when you just release it when you make compromise and stuff like that. But then in behind when there's space, you look back and you're like, oh, it's actually great. You know what I mean? Um, so it's a really hard question to answer because then you're like, what can you do better? Well, there's lots of things that I wouldn't have done in the first place. Um, but but yet I still enjoy it now. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's a very hard question to, to answer. I mean, I know there's it's it would be an easier question to say. The things that I like about the album, I want to do more of that type thing. Where there was, you know, some of the kind of like more complex arrangements with the classical guitar parts, some of the flamenco stuff in there, I was, I really was proud of. Um, and the way that I can compose the solos on that album, I was very, very pleased with that. And there were certain elements that I thought were, you know, um, some really, really cool songwriting, you know? Um, it, it makes for uh, a very exciting future too, because then also on that album we did we could, we wrote it. Um, everybody wrote like before that album, I wrote my chunk of songs and Michael wrote his chunk of songs, and that's it's like all right, there's the album. Everybody write your parts, and then last album for Damnum, it was I would write a whole bunch of songs, Mike would write a whole bunch of songs, Boo Boo would write a song. We would all come together, and then we picked the part everybody's songs which after you spent 13 hours on a song to have someone come and rip it apart um can can prove to have negative you know negative feelings and that and i that was that was a big part of 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 my like my journey was to kind of come to grips with like this new way of doing things and uh there was just negative for me but i think positive for the band overall do you know what I mean? And some of that's just ego, and some of that's just the 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 vision that we've had from day one, getting changed and morphing over the years, right? So there's some of the like, you know, changing the guard isn't always easy, you know, because you get used to doing things. And I'm, so putting it, and I don't want to be negative in this whole thing. We make it positive, but it's like learning from that experience and learning how to do things better. Now that I'm kind of like have experienced it and had the growing pain i'm way more open to it now so I, to be a to be a participant in that creative process now will be completely different than it was then so 
it's something I'm actually really looking forward to now and being just aware that of like, hey, just because you've worked really hard on something doesn't mean that that's what's going to make it to the album. You know what I mean? Because there was like hours and hours and hours and orchestras and, and all these tracks that like, you know, some guy didn't like and it got cut. <laughs> and then you're just like, you piece of shit. <laughs> but, you know what I mean? But like for, you know, for like that and that's your, that's your initial reaction because you're hurt because you work so hard on it. But that's fine. Like, you know, in the passage of time, who cares? Right. Um, so, yeah. So it, it'll be it'll be so exciting to go through it. And now with the acceptance of that, you know, my own personal growth <laughs> through it, it's going to be great. I'm like really excited to see what we come up with, um, you know, next. <laughs> One of my questions was going to be about how the changing of band members uh, changes the dynamic of the band or changes the sound. And obviously the sound has changed over time. But with what you're saying, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but one of the biggest things uh, for you is just the entire process of creating that music. Yeah. Well, and that's and to me, that's the most fulfilling part. Right. It's the creative process. You know, I like the studio. It's fine because it's kind of like an extension of it. Do you know what I mean? And like hearing it polished is is cool. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, the, 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 you know, we've had a lot of band members and as I said, you know, it's really hard to be in a band, you know, you had five personalities on the kind of like, you know, sometimes it works fantastic and sometimes it doesn't work fantastic. Um, and sometimes, you know, people change over time and it gets, and, and it gets harder over time. Um, so, you know, and sometimes those relationships aren't functioning great during the creative process and then you have you know your your budding heads and uh that could stem from you know self yourself being not right or someone else or like the combination or what have you so um yeah the the, the personalities that are there for the songwriting and the way you know it, just the way that people are comfortable communicating and like for you know the betterment of of being on the same page you know is is super important i don't know did i answer your question i think so okay <laughs> I, I hope so Even if you didn't i enjoyed the answer <laughs> okay. so so now you've also worked with uh, Travis Smith on two separate albums, mm. obviously the most recent being Damnum. For those unfamiliar with his work, he's worked with a multitude of bands, so many I can't even count, but uh, Death, Bloodbath, Diamond Head, Devin Townsend, Malevolent um, Creation, Opeth, and some of my previous guests from Cinery, among so many more. So what made you seek him out originally? Um, just because of all those bands you just said. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, it's just he's, he's, you know, he's almost royalty when it comes to that. I think there's, there's a lot of guys... Um, that have that kind of like, you know, status in, in metal for album. And he's just one of those guys. And we, um, we were very much focused on the kind of digital photo manipulation, right? That was just kind of the outset art that we had kind of like, that was how we envisioned the band to be. Travis is amazing. Um, and it's, you know he, he is there you know there's a reason why we go to travis smith <laughs> because of of who we were who he's worked with you know okay yeah and obviously good reason yeah 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 
when you were working on this album cover, was there any uh, specific art style or artist um, that you wanted to like kind of emulate? It almost looks like there's some surrealist or like abstract influences. Um, you know, honestly, my concept for the album art was was completely different. Um, and then um, it it kind of just morphed into what it was, um, what you see today. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, my my idea on like the the idea that we kind of like wanted was to kind of have the room that you see on the cover but to have try to like digitally paint uh the guy from the fragments cover to be sitting in the room with his heart in in his hand still back so like making kind of like an arc from fragments of form and function all the way um and then travis just wasn't really comfortable with the idea so he just kind of ran with this direction and then you know that's that's where we landed I like it. Creative freedom is always beneficial. Like uh, one of the things I've talked to multiple people about is like tattoo artists, for example. I've gone into my artist and I said, here's my idea. And I kind of gave him what I wanted. And he's like, no, that's shit. We're going to do something completely different. <laughs> and from then on, I just go in with a concept. Yeah. And when he comes back, he's like, here you go. Shows me a drawing. I'm like, let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. He's way more creative than I am. <laughs> that's one of the reasons I go to him. Yeah. I mean, they're <laughs> professionals for a reason, you know? So Exactly. Yeah. And then there are some very unprofessional tattoo artists as well. So yeah, but like you usually try to find that out before they you know pull that needle out, <laughs> yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I remember going to Thailand and they were showing me um, like a binder of their book, yeah. and most of their work was absolute shit. And then a couple of their pages showed this incredible artwork, and I was just like, "That's not yours, man. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not getting a tattoo here." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the album title "Damnum" has like Latin origins, meaning damage, injury, or loss. Is that a theme that you um, purposefully put? It into the album and was that partially due to covid uh yeah so the 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 um it was it has the legal ramifications of, of damage and stuff like that which we thought was appropriate uh for on one because because of this like huge thing we had with a former management um but then it was also the subject matter was super dark it was personal and we didn't you know it was the first album that we didn't have anything to do with science on it and it was just yeah and it was just like we had lost so much it you know kind of felt tone deaf to talk about science at a, at that particular point so yeah and we can we had a really hard time with the album title to be honest like every it, it seemed like a, a big struggle and then uh you know we had the song only loss and they're like what if we call it only loss and then i think a hip-hop artist so i think one of the guys said oh yeah this hip-hop artist had a album called only loss or loss so we couldn't call it that so then i just like like hey what is it in latin and it was damn them and i was like oh that's that's got some attitude to it uh so that's just what kind of rang everybody sat on it and we're like yeah it wasn't nothing ever is like oh dude that's amazing let's do that it's always like all right <laughs> let me think about it <laughs> yeah i really wish it would just be like everybody's oh that's badass let's do that <laughs> uh that would that would be so much more you know be like ah yes raw team <laughs> <laughs> so you touched on uh your previous man i don't know if it's your previous management team or our previous management team but what caused you to um end the relationship let's say um damage that they had done to the band through really horrible business decisions um they you know we they were just making they were just like kind of like forcing our hand to do things that we didn't want to do and we were we were kind of like financially like don't want to do this i mean personally we didn't want to do it and then financially it was hurting us really bad and then things we wanted to do they were like 
booking it uh booking it in ways that i was like what are you doing and then i would just do it myself and save us thousands of dollars i'm like this isn't my job to do your job um and um and then it just the more we looked into it they were like a puppy mill for bands they were just like signing 80 million bands working them to death collecting their percentage and like not they didn't care about your band they just wanted to keep you working so they could get their percentage even if it was hurting you and it was and that's and that's kind of where it was and then you know they were threatening to take us to court because you know they wanted uh like back pay for the next couple years and it was like like it was really horrible shitty like you know slimy business practices that and and so yeah and it and it was you know it was that meeting where we let them go it was it was like don't this is just business we cannot like you know sometimes you get really fired up about things but it's like you can't in this particular instance that was a lesson that that i had to learn was like don't get emotional about things it's just business and because that's that's where things are and part of my learning uh through the business music business is sometimes you just have to like hey put your feelings aside business and uh yeah it's just like hey man you're, you're like hurting us hurting our business so we're gonna go and if you want to sue us that's your prerogative but uh we're not gonna go I'm not doing this any further so and that kind of goes back to our conversation about selfishness and personal agenda that we talked about before yeah they were obviously looking out for themselves and they couldn't care less about you exactly and you know but there's lots of um uh vermin like that you know they just want to take advantage of you uh, because they think you're, you know, they're just going to pad their w own wallets. And then when you find out that that's what they've been doing, you know what I mean? It's, it's it sucks, you know, uh, but it's very thankfully in the rear view <laughs> and you no know, lesson learned and, uh, you know, yeah, positive, positive onwards and upwards. You touched on earlier about how like as a creative person, you kind of just want to create your art, um, make sure your music's out there. And I th I wonder if part of the reason people act like this in music is because they bank on that. If they they think that um, the musicians will just concentrate on that instead of the business side of things. I I mean, one hundred percent. And to a to a big extent, they're right. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's so many times that we've made really bad business decisions because we just want to keep being in a band. Is cool, man. <laughs> it's really hard. You know what I mean? But like. It is, it is fun, you know? It is a cool job. It's very hard, and, like, the rewards are really high, you know? Some of the... The lows are really low, but the highs can be, like, the best feeling in the world, you know? Um, so, yeah, I think I think there's a lot of that, you know? They just... Or they think you're dumb, you know? They know you're not business people, and, and uh, fortunately, you know, I've surrounded myself with people that are way better business people than myself, that they'll go, what are you doing? You shouldn't do that. Uh, that's fucked and i'm like really and they're like yeah do not you know and they like point out what's going on and you're like oh holy shit yeah um my wife being she's the brains of this this ship i'll tell you <laughs> uh <laughs> as, as i don't know how much i contribute to her life but she has made my life way better <laughs> and uh, definitely in this in this area she she is my beacon as far as like trying to make better business decisions uh, so, yeah. Well, that's really good to hear. Yeah. <laughs> You're telling <Okay>. me. <laughs> <laughs> 
this next question is a little bit about changing bands lineups and so hear me out but i've heard arguments that some people believe that like a band's lineup is integral to their success or longevity sound all that kind of stuff so for example one of those bands for me would be like bruce dickinson being synonymous with iron maiden for bands like yours i don't feel the same way I feel that there's like a different iteration a different stage for the legion a multitude of other bands as well with changing lineups how do you feel about that topic in general and would you agree with one side or the other um you know i think there's merit to both both sides mm -hmm. do you know what i mean um i think that you know when you have a consistent lineup one it, it makes your audience happy you know they like consistency so the fact that we haven't had that has probably hurt us over the years um but that's not something that's been done you know not something that we've wanted to do you know what i mean like it's like i said being in a band is really really hard and some people have um you know reached their limit and whether they're aware that they've reached their limit or whether we go hey man you, you like you need to take a step back right now because it's it's not, it's not working um it, whether it's been voluntary or, or us forcing that um you know, we've always tried to make it in a positive light. <laughs> if there's a if there's a theme running through this interview, it's positivity. Um, <laughs> but like, yeah, so it's like, all right, dude, it's an opportunity to do something. Do you know what I mean? It's an opportunity to improve, you know, thing. And you know, being musicians, it's like, oh, cool, man, let's do something sick musically. Let's do, you know, change it up, um, and try to get someone that has like more of a skill set. You know, give us more weapons to choose from creatively that we can, you know, like more colors to paint with, you know? Um, yeah, exactly. But, you know, there is a reason that people like really gravitate towards, gravitate towards bands they haven't. Do you know what I mean? Um, you know, and unfortunately, you know, I, I think, you know, it's, you look at like a band like Aerosmith, those guys hate each other. They hate each other to like, they would, you know, they exist in a room to play music and then they fuck off. They don't like each other, they don't talk to each other. Um, but the business keeps rolling, right? And they, but there was money back then. Do you know what I mean? It's hard to, it's, it, you know, sometimes sometimes you can put up with a lot when it's like, okay, it's my job. You know, if you go to work, you don't like your coworker, it's all right, you know, because you're getting paid, you know puts food in your table that's not the case for a lot of bands you know what i mean it's you don't make that much money so like when things you know there's nothing on the line except just you know personality conflicts that can't be resolved or or you know someone just hey man i just don't want to do this anymore you know what i mean like like either in every case right the one where it's voluntary the one where it's not voluntary um you see that a lot of a lot of bands that are coming up in kind of our era have gone through lineup changes more than one right um and that's just you know there's there's not a lot of incentive to to put up with behavioral problems or or, or personality conflicts because why right like there's not like oh yeah well i can i can put up with this because we're both making money and why would we mess this up right or you know it works creatively and, and it's fueling something bigger than the both of us um so i i think that both ideas have merit um and i don't, i honestly don't think there's a right answer to be honest mm -hmm. um with the onset of the internet and like obviously accessibility exposure and 
the obvious increase, I don't want to say maybe increase in competent musicians, but the perception of the increase in positive, in, you know what I'm saying. Anyway, so I think, I think with the accessibility of the internet, it, it allows bands nowadays to change members based on what they want to do a little bit more. Like you said, relationships change and stuff. Whereas in the past, there was only so much exposure you could get. So you needed to be more selective and you needed to kind of go in for the long haul. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's just times change and, 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 you know, people change with it for better or for worse. And I mean, honestly, you know, COVID had a huge effect on people's lives. You know, some people like they came out of COVID and they're just like, you know, like we'll take the crew shortage right now. Right. Why it's like, why does it cost me double to get a sound man right now? Well, there's less of them because they weren't working through the pandemic. They all got different jobs and they're like, hey, I'm making a good. Why would I leave this gig? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Fair. So like there's there's a shortage of everything. Right. Where it's like, you know, people COVID had kind of it was a reset button for a lot of people. And, and so like that people, you know, their thought process changed over that time. So, you know, there was a lot of people that were like, yeah, I don't want there's no point. I don't want to do this anymore. Like, I'm happy. I'm happy being at home. I don't want to get back in the band, you know? Mm-hmm. So you're involved in a lot of different things. So teaching guitar, learning guitar, even the, the whole struggle with moving to a different country. <laughs> you're in a, a multitude of bands and you have been in the past as well. So how do you balance your time between all of this stuff? It, that's, that is a big challenge. Um, and I would say not very well. Um, <laughs> it's love love of music is is like the guide here <laughs> not necessarily oh yeah that that makes sense you should do that um um you know personal fulfillment it, it plays a huge chunk um and that's that's a big struggle for like that's one of my biggest character flaws actually is is time management when it comes to music because like i love it so much sometimes the world goes away and like that's been a huge thing for me where it's like hey the rest of the world exists you uh have to be better at balancing your life you know and that that's been that's been a huge thing for my personal growth uh lately where i'm like yeah you like that's cool you you can keep doing the things you do but you have to do the rest of the world you know things that normal people do you know can you go scrub the toilet please (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, there's like, there's shit growing in there. You need to go like be an adult. And then, you know, uh, so, I mean, it's, it's you know, uh, learning to balance it all out is, is, I don't have an answer for you because I'm learning it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm, I like tr- that. I, that's, that's, that's my uh, daily struggle right now is, is trying to find a balance. Um, I do think like when you're balancing between bands, that can be very challenging. Um, but if it wasn't worth doing, we wouldn't we wouldn't do it. You know, it's like sometimes the only way you can be happy with in one creative outlet is to have another creative outlet that you can exercise other you know other muscles. You know. Yeah. My last question for you today is: uh, Who are some of your current favorite bands, or or who's on your current rotation? On my current rotation right now. Um, oh man, what did I just? Um, well, Scar Symmetry's just started playing again, so I'm super happy about that because two of my favorite guitar players on the planet are in that band. Um, so that's that's been great. I've been kind of diving back into their uh, discography. Um, really enjoying the new Surreption record. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yord, but I think that's yeah, I think that's great. how they would would say it in Swedish. Yord. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm probably wrong, but that's, <laughs> that's my best guess. Um, you know, first fragment. Uh, 
from Montreal up here. I, yeah, I, definitely. I, awesome. Their guys. band that or that record that they were, I guess two years ago now, since we just flipped the calendar over. Um, uh, the Glory Eternal. I I don't know how you say it uh, in French, but that album changed my changed my world. I love hearing that. It was like, oh my god, it's it's uh, Shrapnel Records all over again, but with blast beats. Um, uh, there's that. I've been listening to a lot of Greg Howe, a lot of fusion type stuff. Um, I just my my CD for um, um, Tony Martin's new solo album just came out. I don't know if you're familiar with Tony Martin. He was uh, the Sabbath singer after Dio. Uh, okay. He just did a solo album. Not terribly familiar with him. Okay. Yeah, he's the, my favorite Sabbath vocalist, Tony Martin. I'm very much in the minority here, but <laughs> I was going to uh, say mine was definitely Dio. But... Yeah, I mean. They got better. I, I think they got better as they went in. Not not necessarily Tony Martin's better than Dio. It's just Tony Iommi. I feel like got better as the longer he went in. So by the time we got to Tony Martin, I felt like the songs were just like way better crafted. Um, so, um, but uh, yeah, what else? Oh, the new Septic Flesh. Been jamming that. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, Greg, I want to thank you again for this opportunity. It was a great chat. Oh, thank you. I hopefully hopefully. I, I tend to have a. I try to always be super positive interviews because I sometimes I slip and it's like death is just raining down on us and I don't. I don't <laughs> want. I'm like no one wants to listen to that. Let's make it positive. <laughs> oh, there's a time and place for that kind of stuff, but I generally like the positivity. Like again, thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule, and I appreciate this time. Yeah, my pleasure, man. Thank you for tuning in, and we will see you next time on Gyro Nation Metal. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. The podcast can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you would like to support this podcast, please consider checking out my Patreon. Thank you.